0: Hey, y'all, and welcome to this week's Pain in the Pod. This week, I was so lucky to talk to Kristen Meinzer of the podcast, By the Book. She also has two other podcasts called We Love You and So Can You and Movie Therapy. She also wrote a book called So You Want to Start a Podcast. She also has another book called How to Be Fine. Y'all, she's amazing. She's an overachiever. She lives in New York City. I loved, loved, loved chatting with her and you'll love hearing from her too. Also, guys, don't forget, you can join me over on Patreon for bonus content every week. Every week, there's something new over there. So go on over to patreon.com slash in the pod and see what level you want to join at and get some extra stuff. Uh, We're all stuck in the house. So who doesn't need more content? All right. Take a listen to this week's episode. Thanks. Hey, y'all. I'm so excited about this week's guest. My guest has been described as one of the most 22 influential women in podcasting by the Washington Post. My local paper, and not only is she an amazing podcaster, y'all, she has hosted six podcasts. She's also an author, and she literally wrote the book on podcasting called "So You Want to Start a Podcast." And she's written two other books. Kristen Meisner is an overachiever, and I'm glad to talk to her today. And welcome to the show, Kristen. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me, Mary Payne. I'm so honored to be here. Listen, did I say your last name right, Meis- I keep wanting to say in Meisner, but it's Meinzer. Correct the second one is correct. Why do I yes. try to Yeah, why do I keep trying to add that extra in?
1: Well, uh, Meisner is a German last name and Meinzer is or I'm sorry, Meisner is a Jewish last name and Meinzer is a Jewish last name. And Meinzer. one is German and one is Jewish. So my last name is the German last name.
0: Meinzer. Okay, yes. All right. and, don't we, um, we don't want to get those in,
1: in New York, I would say every person I've met is a Meisner, and I'm the only Meisner I've ever met in New York. But in Minnesota, where I'm from, it's not that rare of a name.
0: Okay, before we get started, I do want to ask you about Minnesota, because- Two of my best friends here are from Minnesota. Ah. So, where, not that I'm going to know, but where are you from in Minnesota? (laughs) I am
1: from a town that is known for having a very large mall, Bloomington. It has the Mall of America, which is the largest mall in North America where my mom used to work. Okay. And it's right next to Minneapolis.
0: Okay. I've been to Minneapolis, and I've been to the Mall of America.
1: Oh, you have? Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> All right. So we've, we've walked on the same ground. Yes. And um, my other friend, Ingrid, is from Luverne, Minnesota. Oh,
1: yeah. Of course. Luverne. I know Luverne. Do there you really? Is,
0: oh, yeah. There's a branch of the University
1: of Minnesota, Luverne, that used to be there many, many years ago. I don't think that campus exists anymore, but Luverne. Okay.
0: Yes. She went to the U. Yes. yes. That's what we call it. The that's you. what you call it. So I'm from yes. Mississippi. And when I moved up here to DC and I met, um, all these like new people from these strange lands, like Minnesota.
2: <laughs> and now I feel
0: so, uh, educated. I can call out names of towns. But that's um, why you have that sweet accent of yours. I hope that never goes away. It's so funny that you say that because I don't think I have an accent at all. And, um, Recently, a podcaster reached out to me, the podcast called um, For Keeps. It's about a, it's a, about people that collect weird things. And he asked me to read on his podcast uh, a letter that someone had found, but he wanted it to be in another person's voice, not his. He said, because of your Southern accent, could you, do you mind reading it for me? I was like, I don't even have a Southern accent. I mean, I don't even hear it at all because my Mississippi people, it's so thick. Yeah that I don't hear it at all. Now, I hear your Minnesota accent, not strongly, but a few words here and there.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, In New York, people think it's very, very strong. And in Minnesota, they think I sound like a
0: New Yorker. (laughs) Where I am. They're like, oh, Mary Pena, she's a Yankee now. I'm way way (laughs) up here in Virginia. (laughs) So I have to tell you, though, I was a little uh, self-conscious talking to you today because you have written a book about podcasting and how to be a podcaster. So for a podcaster... It talks to podcasters, if this is a drinking game, like don't, don't drink when we say <laughs> podcast. It's, um it's a little like daunting. So I know your background. So you're from Minnesota. And did you go to, did you go to the U?
1: I did. I went to the U. Um, although I did spend less than half my time there because I kept on doing study abroads to oh, other cool. places. Um, because I was, I did not have a lot of money growing up. And I found it was actually less expensive to go to school abroad than to be at the University of Minnesota. So um, I did, you know, some of my schooling in India, some of it in Guatemala, some of it in England, and all of that ended up being less expensive than my time at the U itself.
0: Wow. Okay, that's really cool. So how did you end up in New York City?
1: So I always kind of just had the fantasy of moving to New York someday. I think I watched too many movies. I've always been a huge movie buff. And, you know, according to the movies, it's the most romantic place in the whole world, right? There's um, room for everybody. Everybody can be who they want to be. Uh, people are from all over the world. And it's a place that people choose. And I loved the idea of being in a place that people chose it.
0: How, um, how are you doing during the quarantine in New York City? Because it's pretty um, intense there. How how are you doing?
1: Yeah, you know, it's tough. I have friends who've lost their jobs. I've had at least a dozen friends so far have had COVID and some have been in the ICU. Um, Some of my friends have lost family members. um, And I don't think there's a single person in New York City who doesn't know at least a few people who've had COVID so far. Um, uh, But you know, in the grand scheme of things, I feel incredibly lucky because I can still do my job remotely. I, you know, as you know, Mary Payne podcasting, you don't have to go to a studio for. No. Um, so I feel very lucky that I can do it right here in this closet that I'm talking to you from. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, and my family, you know, we, we're all doing okay. So um, I know not everyone's so lucky. So I just count my blessings each day and every day at 7 p.m., the city goes out onto their balconies or leans out their windows, and we clap for our essential workers, and just we try to be thankful for everyone who's trying to keep things running during these crazy times.
0: I love New York. I try to go a few times a year. I always try to come up with an excuse, like, "Oh, I have to interview this podcaster, and I can only talk to him <laughs> in New York," as if I can't do it this way. But I love to to just go. I love the city. I love everything about it. I would love to live there. Um, my friend Ingrid and I, the one from Minnesota, you know, have these dreams of like our kids are going to go to college, and then she and I are going to get like um, we're both married, but we're going to get like single girl apartment in the city, and we're going to spend all our time. and My husbands are like, what? <laughs> Like, this is what we're doing. You can't stop us. Like, it's like, we're going to, we're going to live out these dreams. Like when we're like in our late fifties. Um, oh, do it. Please I, I do love it. And then New York. invite me along, please. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Please come. <laughs> um, okay. So today we're going to most, you have a lot of podcasts and you have a lot going on. You're an author, like you're like super busy, but today we mostly are going to talk about your podcast by the book. Now for my listeners who don't know about Buy the book, Buy the book is a podcast where you and your co-host Jolenta literally take a self-help book, read it and follow it for two weeks, no matter if you agree with it or think you need it or think it's crazy. And some of them are really wacky and then some of them that we've heard of that we should all be probably living by anyway. So how did you meet Jolenta and come up with this idea? So Jolenta
1: and I worked together years ago. We were both working for A news show a radio show and she was the administrative assistant and as such she would open all the mail that came in for the show and one thing that she received a lot of were self-help books that publishers would send to her saying oh will you cover this on your news show and you know our news show didn't usually cover those kinds of books so mostly she would just leave them in a stack by her desk and then at some point she thought man I wonder what's in all of these self-help books. Do any of them have anything <laughs> useful at all to say? Um, and Jolenta is somebody who always used to believe that she needed fixing. Um, she always kind of saw herself as, an, you know, in her own words, a garbage person, a mess. She never felt like she knew how to adult and so on. And so she thought, you know, at some point I should maybe read these books. And I bet they could solve my problems. They could fix me. <laughs> yeah. And she asked me, um... Because I was already a podcast host at the time and um she always fancied me very adult because she's like, Oh, you paid your way through college and you know, you 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 know lawyers and all these other things. <laughs> and so yeah. she so she said, Oh gosh, you know, Kristen, I would love to co-host this with you. Um, just you know, based on who you are and your podcast experience, and and you seem like a grown up, so uh, <laughs> should we do this? And we decided to host it together, and it's great because you know she's a comedian also, so she's very very funny, and my background is as a culture critic, and so I kind of go in ready to you know, see the problems in each book and she goes in trying to see the humor and what can make her life better. So it really balances us out that we both see what we do in each of the books. And, you know, unlike a lot of other shows out there that just review the books, since we're living by them for two weeks and recording ourselves, we're recording ourselves at work, at home, with our husbands, you can really hear how each book enhances or destroys our lives.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit like we read this book so you don't have to. <laughs> kind of a kind of an idea. Yes. And is there do you think that there's a consistent theme throughout all these books now? You've read now, I mean, you've got six seasons. I don't even know how many you've read like a hundred books at least, probably.
1: We've read over fifty books at this
0: point. 50? It's okay. been a lot of books. Yeah. Is there a consistent and,
1: theme, you think? Yeah, I mean the books that we tend to like, they they do consistently bring up things like gratitude and trying to live in the moment and so on. But um a lot of the books are, frankly, they have other themes that I'm not so fond of. Um, a study that was done by Goodreads found that two-thirds of self-help books are written by men and two-thirds of the readers are women. And so a consistent theme is, if I can do it, anyone can. And and it kind of you know, overlooks the fact like, well, maybe you had certain advantages as an upper-class white male who is writing a book to all of the female readers that you're you know marketing your book to and that's a theme that we've seen over and over again that a lot of well-to-do men will write these books and tell women how to live better lives by being just like them and <laughs> mm, that's not good <laughs> yeah, that's an unfortunate theme but you know um as far as the good themes as i was saying gratitude is one that i just love whenever that comes up because You know, I think that sometimes in our world we're told to focus on what's wrong and to fix it. And sometimes there's a lot that's okay that we should be thankful for and it makes life better to sometimes focus on those things, which doesn't mean turning a blind eye to problems, but I do think it means, you know, accepting that life isn't totally crap. And I think some books Some books and, you know, frankly, some people out here want us to believe like, oh, everything's bad. Everything needs to be fixed. Everything's wrong with you. You're you're a problem and you need to admit that you're a problem. And I really like the books that instead approach things like, no, you know, we're all doing the best we can. And let's be grateful for the parts of our lives and ourselves that we can be grateful for.
0: I will say, I think that the episode I listened to, I think you guys were reviewing Brene Brown's book. Now, a, a lot of people are into Brene Brown. My um, a co-host on another podcast I have, Erin Martin, she is very into Brene Brown and wants me to listen to her podcast and everything. And I'm like, I literally don't don't have time for, you know, <laughs> to listen to podcasts that, like, everything's okay. But then I saw Brene Brown on Jimmy Fallon. And I was like, maybe I should listen to Brene Brown. Um, but... I think that was the episode where Jalenta said she went home and was um, alone with her dog. And um, I don't think that was you. You're, you're not the one with Frank, the dog, right? No. Jalinta, oh, Jalinta has, Frank. has Frank, the dog. Okay. Yes. Sometimes I get your voices confused, but she said <laughs> that she was going to bed. She was by herself. Her husband was out working and she said she was just going to say what she was grateful for like out loud. And I think that was from Brene Brown's book. And then she said like what Frank was grateful for, which I won't say. Um, and, uh, <laughs> it was very funny, but I, t- I thought, you know, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try before I, not out loud, you know, cause I'm a crazy person, but like, I'm going to try before I go to bed. I'm going to say like everything I'm grateful for. I try to do a lot of that before I go to bed, like talk myself in my head to sleep instead mm. of talking myself into a frenzy so that I'm awake, <laughs> which I do a lot of. Um, so I tried that last night and I thought of your podcast probably cause I had this, uh, interview on my mind. Right. Um, was that Brene's Brown book that says that like, it, it may gratitude list? yeah,
1: I mean, she has, um, in her book, uh, I know that episode only came out a few months ago, but mm-hmm. because we're always so far ahead in our production cycle, um, we're already like six books past that. Oh, right. Our- but, but no one's heard the six episodes we've made since then. But right. no, I'm trying to remember. So I sometimes um, lose track of what's in which book because as soon as we're done with one book, we record our episode. And as soon as we leave the studio, we pick up the next book and pick start reading it book. and living by uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. But I do believe you're right. I think that was the Brene Brown episode.
0: I, um yeah. I, I remember thinking that last night, like, oh gosh, now I'm doing it. Now I should t-. see, I don't have to read the book. I'll just listen to your <laughs> podcast. Now I really, okay. I listen to, as you know, a ton of podcasts. I listen to Heather McDonald a lot. I think she's very funny and she talks all, she's about my age and she talks all the time about the secret. So she'll say like, I secreted that, I secreted that. And there's the famous story of Jim Carrey, saying that he read The Secret and wrote himself a check for a million dollars. And then like the next week he got um, some great, whatever, one of his major movies. And so all the time, Heather McDonald talks about, no, I'm going to put that on my secret. I put it on my vision board. She's joking, but she's not joking because she really does do it. So the first book you guys did was The Secret. So I loved that because I don't want to have to read that book.
2: <laughs> but you
0: don't have to, Mary Payne. You don't have you, to. <laughs> I don't have to read it because you guys read it. And then I th- I find myself to be sort of a, a hybrid between you and Jalenta because I feel like Jalenta probably feels, but I am actually responsible. Like, you know, I have a house and kids and a husband and like three jobs. So I am pretty responsible, but I am kind of like messy and wish I could always like like I have to sound like Jalinta, like I always want to drop that 20 pounds. So I want to know which book and was it the secret that can help me do those things, not be messy and drop 20 pounds?
1: Well, first <laughs> of all, the secret, I, I think, you know, from listening to the show, I'm not a big fan of the secret, the, mm. the idea that, um, we get what we deserve because we put our energy out into the universe so if we put positive energy into the universe the secret says we'll get back positive things if I put out the energy that I'm going to be rich I'll be rich but on the flip side I really don't like that it seems to invite the idea then if you're poor you asked for it if you're abused you asked for it right and So I'm not a big fan of The Secret because, um, first of all, I think it's malarkey. Like, it keeps on (laughs) saying, this is a scientific fact. And I've never talked with a scientist who believes that this is true. Um, Just just
0: thinking it'll happen. Yeah, Yeah. just
1: thinking it. And it says in the book that it's as real as the law of gravity. And no, 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 no. So, <laughs> no. so, so I have some issues with it scientifically speaking, but also, as I said, with if the positive part is true, then the negative part seems like, no, no, there's a problem there. Um, but as far as losing those 20 pounds, Mary Payne, <laughs> Jolent and I both believe that you're fantastic the way you are, and there's no value in weighing less or weighing more in life. You're beautiful the way you are. And whoever's telling you or putting that idea in your head that you're not good enough cuz you're 20 pounds more is a jerk. You don't need to listen to that person.
0: <laughs> I'm the jerk. I'm the jerk. I'm the one that you know what I mean? I'm the one that says it. Nobody's like walking around my house like you should go on a diet. Like, you know what I mean? It's just it's in my brain. And it's probably just because, you know, you know, you get older and things change and I'm a woman and it's not I'm not going to look like I did when I was 25 and so I just need to like get a grip. And accept it.
1: And move yeah, on. and our society, yeah. our society really rewards twenty five year old skinny girls. Our society celebrates that, and that's the epitome of beauty, and that's what we should all be aiming for. But frankly, most of us are only going to be twenty five for one year, as far as I know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the idea that we should be a skinny a skinny twenty five year old for the rest of our life seems outlandish to me. When, you know, you're gorgeous the age you are. I'm looking at you right now. You're beautiful. Oh my goodness! And... Thank you and thank goodness you're not 25 year a 25 year old anymore cuz look at how much you know more worldly you are now look at how many you know lessons you've learned and how fantastic True. you are and the you know the ability you have to probably be more patient now and you know your brain's fully cooked when you're 25 your brain's not quite fully cooked yet you're kind of like not an adult yet.
0: <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great point. So I just embrace it. And then we're going to get to that in the, in your other podcast. I want to talk about that one oh, too. Yes. Okay. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back.
2: This episode is brought to you by HP instant ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP instant ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges. So you never have to think about ink save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantinkspotify.
0: Okay, I'm back with Kristen Meinzer, I said it right, of the Buy the Book Among Others podcast. Okay, so... In one of your seasons, you went through books of old self help books, like from the 40s, 50s, 60s. Now, first of all, it's a brilliant idea. It's a brilliant idea. And it was hilarious. Um, like, who knew Phyllis Diller wrote a self help book? Oh, and it's so good. It's so it, good, too. The, the funniest hilarious. thing is, like, yeah, her recipes, and you open it up and it's like blank pages. <laughs> um, who, um, who, ca- who came, first of all, who came up with that idea? And then which of those books did you think actually held up? Oh, gosh. I can't remember
1: if it was me or Jolenta who came up with that idea. But um, one of the things that we absolutely loved about this last season was we also had a historian on. So every other week we would release an episode where we were living by you know, let's say how to win friends and influence people. Uh-huh. And then our historian would come on and she'd say, Oh, so in the 1930s, this is what was happening in America. And this is why this book spoke to what was happening to our culture, to our fears, to our desires, to our ambitions and so on. And every book was kind of approached that way about, you know, how our historian looked at it. And when Jolent and I lived by these books, we chose to live by first editions because we didn't want to live by updates seen through uh-huh. the eyes of 2020 or 2019. We wanted to live by the books according to the intentions of the authors, um, because a lot of these authors are dead now, and the updates <laughs> yeah. that have been written were not, you know, written by the author. So we wanted to live by original first editions of the books. So we um, you know, lived by each of those books with the hope of, you know, looking at how our values have changed, how our values have not changed. And obviously, a lot of things that have been very culturally important, like the joy of sex, you know, Back then, I'm sure it was totally revolutionary, the idea of, you know, lots of pictures of naked people and experimenting and having a sense of humor. I'm sure that that must have been groundbreaking back then, according to our historian, it truly was. But it was also a man's fantasy. This was completely written by a man who had a lot of beliefs about women's pleasure that I don't know a woman in the world who would get pleasure from some of the things that he was saying because... I, didn't
0: li- I didn't listen to that episode because I get very nervous when people talk about sex I get really like that's just my southern upbringing I get like very nervous <laughs> like you're not supposed to talk about it so I didn't I, I was when I was going through all the things I was oh I'm not going to listen to that one like I'm going to get nervous <laughs>
1: Well, you don't have to listen to it, and I'm just going to say it now. You do not have to read the first edition of The Joy of okay, Sex either. Okay, yeah, I bet. You don't I have bet. to.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you would, so was it – it's the um, how, to win, how to Win Friends. How to, and so Influence I, People. Yes, okay. That was by – written by um, Andrew, uh, Andrew Carnegie. Andrew Carnegie. Yes. Or Andrew Mellon. I was in my mind, I was like Carnegie Mellon. Oh, hold remember. on. It was
1: Andrew Carnegie, right? Now, now I, is it okay if I just look this up real Please. quick? Please. Like
0: because in my mind, I was like, was it Carnegie or was it Mellon? <laughs> <laughs> it was
1: Carnegie, but
0: <laughs> sorry here. Um, Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie and Andrew Mellon. Okay. So, in that book, a lot of it, it was really great. It's a, it's a lot of things that of course we know, like when you're speaking to someone, you say, Kristen, how are you? And then you're, and, and if you give me a question, I put it back to you. So I don't maybe have to answer your question or it's a lot of the advice is actually pretty good, but some of the stuff. And it was so funny. It was like, here's how to handle a problematic, um, CEO of your company, give him another job, send him away. It doesn't matter that he molested his secretary. It's, just get rid of the problem. So a lot of that stuff was super outdated. Um and I was wondering if in the outdate if in the newly new versions, if they fix some of that stuff. Being well, that we don't treat people that way now. I
1: mean, you well, know I have not read the updated version of how to win friends and influence people, but I did page through the updated versions of the joy of sex and that one they have done many new editions since the first version came Mm -hmm. out Um, and they've worked hard to try and be much more inclusive to um, make sure to acknowledge LGBTQ people to acknowledge um, a woman's perspective in a way that the original version didn't so a lot of these books have had updates and um, have tried to speak to current audiences because what our social norms were you know even as recently as 20 years ago are different now I mean I remember certain things 20 years ago that were okay that are not okay now
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, there's a there's a podcast called Hold Up, Hold Up, and it's um, about movies and if they hold up. It's mm-hmm. by Sean Kilby, who lives in New York, and it's um, really great because he'll watch a movie that he thought was the greatest movie ever, you know, and then he'll go like, uh, "Some of these things are pretty problematic <laughs> that I thought were funny when I was 14 are now like, yeah, that's not so great." Yeah. Um, which is so funny because a while back I had my kids watch um, Uncle Buck. The yeah. John Candy movie, which I loved when I was in high school. And it's it's rated PG because back then they didn't have PG-13. So when I watched my with my kids, which was five, six years ago. Today, I mean, it's like they're old teenagers. I'm like, I don't even care what you watch. But back <laughs> then, I didn't really want them to watch things, you know, with any kind of sexual content or cursing or whatever too much. Oh, my gosh, that movie is not appropriate. And I remember <laughs> thinking like, I watched this when I was in high school. So it's the same things with these books, right? Like you have to see, like, do they hold up and, and don't, don't check out the old editions, I guess. Now this is just off topic, but how did you get some of these old editions? Like, how did you find them?
1: Oh, some of them are for sale on eBay. Uh, uh-huh. some libraries have first editions. Um, and I gotta give Jolenta credit for that. She hunted all over the place like crazy to find those first editions of all these books. and um, and it's adorable, like the How to Win Friends and Influence People first edition, even has the address of the printing press where you can write to and get more copies for five cents each, I think it is.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, you should try that. And see, if they'll, <laughs> <laughs> and see if they'll send it to you. It says it right here. It says right here. Yeah. So what book sort of overall in the over 50 books, what book would you say is the one? This is two part what that you think probably a got the best advice from for yourself. And then for Jolenta, which one do you think has affected her the most? Because she's such a different person than you are.
1: Yeah. Well, I know that Jolenta loved the life-changing magic of tidying up. She loved the concrete steps in it. She (laughs) loved that she was able to actually touch each object, see if it sparked joy in her house, and then donate it if it didn't. And it really gave her a sense of being more on top of her space, being more calm in her space, to feel greater ownership of everything that was there. And, you know, I think one of the problems of being an American in 21st century, you know, in the 21st century world is that we all just have too much stuff. We live in a consumer culture and, i think back to you know my grandmother was one of the main people who raised me and she grew up in the great depression and you looked forward all year to getting an orange in your christmas stocking there wasn't clutter because wow. you barely had anything right. back then and um maybe you got one new dress a year and if you were younger in the lineup that new dress was your sister's dress last year and so right. the world we live in now is so completely different we have way too much stuff and we buy stuff as a hobby shopping is now not something we need to do it's something that is fun and it's a pastime and so it really helped jolenta to feel more on top of her stuff and to be more mindful after that going forward about what she chose to bring into her house and um it also you know Later on, we lived by a book called Zero Waste Home. And one reason why Joel Lent and I did so well on Zero Waste Home was partly because we lived by the life-changing magic of tidying up, which taught ah. us to be more mindful of, like, don't just buy stuff because. There are a lot of ways to feel joy and to be, you know, to feel at home in our spaces and in our lives that don't involve buying more stuff. Because usually when we buy more stuff, we feel less at home in our space. So right, that was really helpful to uh Jolenta, I know she loved that book. I didn't love everything about that book. A lot of it was um, maddening to me, the lifestyle of the life-changing magic of tidying up. You're not allowed to have anything on your counters, which is tough because then it's like, oh, the tools I use every day I have to put away before, you know, you're yeah, not allowed to have
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Your <laughs> husband's husband. both had a real problem with, I got to take the soap out of the cabinet to take a shower, thank the soap, put it back in the-. I'm <laughs> like, why can't I just get in the shower and have soap?
1: Yeah. Yes, that would be so yeah. great, but yeah. you know, during that book, we weren't allowed to have soap in the shower, and <laughs> it was maddening. Sometimes you'd get in the shower, you turn on the water, then you'd realize, oh, I forgot the soap's not even in here. It's down the yeah. hall in the cupboard.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's you. It seems to me with that book, and and I actually have it. It's sitting on my bedside table, which shows you that I've not read it. But I, do, I, I, I like here in the quarantine, I've tried to do a lot of tidying up, and I know some are for things about rolling the clothes and all that. Mm-hmm. So I have tried to implement that, and I'm sort of constantly purging. All all the time, and I didn't realize in that book that you had to keep everything away because that would really require you to have a lot of cabinet space. It seems.
1: Yeah, you can't have visual clutter. And I see behind you. There's art on the wall. She doesn't want you to have art on the wall, even because that's visual clutter to her. Um, so you can you have, have, have art like hanging You can have art inside your closet door. So when you open your closet door, you can see the art. Kind of like when you had a locker in high school. You can uh-huh. see the art there, but you can't have it out in the open.
0: Okay, well, that, that's not okay. All right, well, Marie Kondo sounds like she has some other issues because it did it, it sounded like from what y'all said that she would cry every day at recess because she wanted to be at home cleaning her house mm-hmm. or, yeah. or or tidying things. and so maybe,, um, yeah, I wouldn't want her to come to my house. I'll put it that way, but um, I did clean my pantry yesterday.
1: Oh, <laughs> I, well I done it that makes great. a difference. It, it does.
0: I mean, what else am I doing? I mean, you know. Um, okay. So I want to talk about uh, your spinoff podcast called We Love You and So Can You. So it is y'all took all these books that you learned about and then decided to help other people. So what you do is you bring someone in who's got something they need to work on, and then you help them using the help that you learned from the self-help books. So how did that yes. how, I know how it came about because okay, hold on. Everybody, listen. This is a triple cross promote here. Okay, (laughs) so you did an episode of "By the Book," where you followed the advice of your own book, which is called "So You Want to Start a Podcast." So you followed your book. So I want to start a podcast, and started another podcast. Called "We Love You" and so can you. It was like it was like the most amazing triple trifecta marketing (laughs) thing I've ever seen in my life. However, it worked because you followed the steps of your book. So you want to start a podcast? It started a new podcast. Yes, yes, we did.
1: Yes, and we um, in my book I say the first and most important questions any new podcaster should ask themselves is why am I making this and who is it for, and. We knew the why. We had listeners for years writing to us saying, please let us go on a self-help journey with you. Please, will you let me live by a book with you? Um, I'm somebody that isn't represented on your show. I'm black or I'm a man or I'm gay or I'm over 50 or I live in a rural part of America, not in New York City. And all of these listeners over and over again would write to us and say, please let me live by a self-help book with you. Um, because, you know, Jolenta shows one version of life. I show another version of life, but our versions of life are in lots of ways, very similar. We both live in New York. We're Mm -hmm. both, um, in heterosexual marriages. We, you know, are both, you know, female identifying and so on. And so that, you know, really limits some people's ideas of, you know, well, I don't know as a man, if I live by a self-help book, what will happen to me? You know, and- So after all of these letters over and over again, hundreds of them came in with people asking to live by self-help books with us, Jolent and I thought, well, logistically, that's gonna be really hard to do, but we can do a makeover show. And Uh, Jolent and I both love makeover shows. We both love Queer Eye. uh Um, We both love What Not to Wear. We love all of those reality makeover shows. And so we thought, you know, people can come to us then with a predicament and we'll assign them a set of self-love steps based on like all the knowledge we've accrued from living by self-help books on buy the book. And they can follow those steps for two weeks. They don't have to follow them. Uh, They can change the steps to better suit them. And then along the way they record audio diaries so we can hear how the steps are helping them or not helping them. And hopefully by the end of two weeks, they feel more well-equipped to handle whatever they're facing. And hopefully they also love themselves a little bit more. Our main goal is not to fix people so much as remind them that They're already okay. They're on the right track. There's no such thing as perfect. But if there is, they're already as close to perfect as they're going to be because they're lovable. And that's all they need to be is they need to love themselves and um, have the confidence that there are people out there cheering for them. And most people we found, you know, at the end, they say, Oh, my gosh, I had it in me all along. I did. I could meet friends as an adult. I didn't know I could, or, um, I could go out there and date, even though I'm over 40, you know, we had somebody on this season and he was over 40 and he was just thinking, I'm never going to be able to date. I was in the closet for a really long time. How am I going to meet men at this age? And he went out there and he dated. And even during COVID, he's still doing distance (laughs) dating right now. And we're just so proud of him. So,
0: you know, I heard that episode and what was so interesting to me about that guy was um, I don't I don't have a picture of him. I don't know what he looks like. He sounded great. And I thought how interesting that the one of his hangups was he was afraid to tell people he was an artist because mm-hmm. I would be like, that would be the coolest thing. Like, you're an artist. <laughs> tell me about that. But for him, he thought it was like people would thought he was like a weirdo or couldn't make a living or like being an artist mm-hmm. was a negative. And I thought. For my personal perspective, I would be like, that'd be cool to date an artist, you know? (laughs) Sometimes you hear things like that and like somebody else's hang up, maybe like the coolest thing to you. So there's somebody out there for him, you know?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we try to remind that to everybody on the show, the thing that they might feel the most self-conscious about, there are probably millions of people out there just like you, Mary Payne, who are like, that's a great thing. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's
0: cool, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about yet another book that you wrote called How to Be Fine. We'll be right back.
2: Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that. the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today.
0: Okay, I'm back with Kristen Meinter of the podcast By the Book. Also by the podcast, um, We Love You and So Can You, along with a bunch of other podcasts. And so we were just talking about the book that you wrote yourself called So You Want to Start a Podcast. But you and Jolenta wrote a book together called How to Be Fine. And it's, again, sort of piggybacking on this, all this knowledge that you've got from reading all these old and new self-help books. So tell me about that book.
1: Yeah, well... That was another thing that listeners really asked us for over and over again, starting in the very first season of our show, people started writing in saying, will you write a book that's distilling your knowledge into just one giant book? So those of us out here who are constantly walking up and down the self-help aisles and not knowing what to get and not knowing what to believe and not knowing what's trustworthy, will you please write a book um, sharing your knowledge? And Jolent and I eventually said, okay, fine, we'll do it but we want to make it really clear. And we write this in the, you know, very beginning of the book. We're not here as a self-help book. We're just trying to share our stories. Mm -hmm. So you can hear how each book affected Jolenta. You can hear how each book affected me. And throughout the book, you'll learn a little bit more about what my background is, uh, my personal and family history, what Jolenta's is. And, you know, when you read the book, hopefully you understand that more than anything it's just a memoir of what we went through that being Mm -hmm. said we do break up the book into three sections um what worked what didn't and what we wish more self-help books included because um for us there were certain things that repeatedly we found worked that showed up in the books again and again like gratitude which i already mentioned Um, and then we uh, as far as things that didn't work, there are a lot of things that don't work in self-help books <laughs> <laughs> that keep on being prescribed to us over and over again. And we really wanted to shine a light on those things. And then there was our section of what we wish more self-help books included, because there are so many basic things that you know anybody can do or should do if they need to, um, that most self-help books don't say. For example, I think maybe one or two books of the 50 we've read have ever brought up, it's okay to go see a therapist. There are professionals oh. out there who will help you with this. Here is how you find a therapist. This is why there's no shame around it. Please go and see a therapist. Why and do you most think that is? Don't do that. Why? I think for the same reason, um, the diet industry. So um, it really reminds me of the diet industry. They would rather have you be on this never-ending hamster wheel of, all right, lose the 10 pounds by starving yourself, Uh, eventually break down because this is not a realistic way for a person to live, gain the weight back, Yep. Uh, be upset with yourself, be filled with self-loathing, buy another diet book, and then you get to be a part of the diet industrial complex forever. And sometimes it feels as though the self-help industrial complex is not that different from the diet industrial complex.
0: Wow. Okay, that just blew my mind because I'm that person. And I was especially interested in your episode on buy the book about um, French women aren't fat or whatever it's called. French women don't get fat. Yes. I was like, Oh, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the one. And then after that two day terrible weekend of having to drink the leek juice, I was like, Oh no, I'm not doing that. Like right away. I was like, I'm not buying that book. I'm not doing that. I'm not wearing sunglasses to look cool. Like I'm not, no. no, no, you don't need to. No, <laughs> But French women don't get fat. So that is interesting. But I think it's, you know, the processed food that we have here. It's like, that's actually the answer. Um, okay. So we talked about by the book. We talked about, uh, we love you. And so can you, but let's go some of the, through the other podcasts. These are podcasts that you have hosted, produced, written all this. Okay. When Megan met Harry. Yes. T- okay. Tell me about when <laughs> Megan met Harry
1: uh so that podcast launched a few days after prince harry proposed to Meghan markle okay. and it concluded with my co-host james barr and i going to the royal wedding itself and it is what? um a show that i still hold near and dear to my heart it was a celebration of all things Meghan and harry it was um nothing but cheering for them, uh, celebrating how great they are, looking at how monumental it was that an American, that a divorced American, that a black divorced American woman was entering into the Royal family and that the Royal family was suddenly looking just a tiny little bit more like all of the places it's conquered over the years. Like finally you look a little bit more like the Commonwealth, just a tiny bit, not even that much. Just a smidge, yeah. Just a smidge and this is something Oops. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, sorry. My screen just went blank for a second. I don't know what oh, no. happened there. I'm so glad. Okay. okay. But, um, and it was a show that really was about cheering and celebrating when there were a lot of naysayers in the world. There are unfortunately a lot of bigots. The British press has, oh, yeah. from day one, said just absolutely terrible things about Megan that have been uh, not so thinly veiled, misogynistic, racist, you know, opinions. And we wanted to counter that, and we wanted to celebrate this thing that we considered monumental, that is always going to go down in history as something completely different in the royal family and on the history of the planet. And so it was just a way to celebrate that. And we were so thrilled making that show every week. um, In addition to just talking about the latest news, um, we would do a deep dive into an issue like divorce in the royal family or actors in the royal family it turns out that a lot of royals have married actors in the past we um did different deep dives and then every episode concluded with a prediction for the royal wedding and on the wedding day we released a bingo board with all of our predictions so (laughs) people around the world watching the wedding could check off the boxes and see which of the predictions came true and i will say roughly three-fourths of our predictions came true
0: okay well so i did i have not listened to it i was just looking at all the ones that's great Now, now how did you score a ticket to the royal wedding well, we were not inside
1: the chapel. We were sitting outside with okay.
0: 30,000 other people on
1: picnic blankets, drinking champagne at nine in the morning.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I have to go listen to it. Do you have a um, a thought about what's happening with them now and how they live in LA? And
1: Oh, I'm just so st-
0: happy for them. You, you know, are. they're okay. living
1: life their own way. He was always the spare, you know, there's the heir, there's the spare, but now there's loads of other spares, you know, William and Kate yes. have loads of kids. They have three kids now. Harry is, you know, essentially somebody who should be able to live his own life now. And, you know, even before Megan entered the picture, he'd said in multiple interviews that he wanted to live a more normal life. He said that long before she was around. Right. And now with her around and, you know, building his own family, having a child, he is able to embark on a new life and I'm so happy for them. And especially I'm happy for them because, um, they needed to get away from the British tabloid press because they've been nothing short of just brutal and predatory with her. So I'm very happy for them.
0: Do you think that that um, horseback polo guy is his dad? James Hewitt. James is James something.
1: Yes, James Hewitt, you know, he was very close with Diana. But yes. Most timelines say that it doesn't line up right because James Hewitt didn't enter her life according to most timelines until years after Harry was born. Okay. And if you look back at pictures of the Queen's husband, Prince Philip, when he was the same age as Harry, they actually look pretty much identical.
0: He looks he, very he looks, much like his granddad. And he looks similar to Diana's brother as well. Yes, he does. He does. Because
1: redheads run in her side of the family, but I just like to know, throw I, that out there. But I will agree, he does look a
0: lot like James Hewitt. Yeah, same nose. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Okay, now let's talk the next three podcasts that are yours that we're gonna talk about. I'll talk about movies. So there's Lisa, Sandra, and Kristen go to the movies. Then there's movie date. And then there's movie therapy. Yes. Okay, are you current? You're not currently doing all three of these. No, currently,
1: um, just movie therapy. So what happened was my friend Rafer Guzman, who's the film critic for Newsday, he and I had a podcast more than ten years ago. We started a podcast together called Movie Date for WNYC. Okay. And that podcast, we reviewed new movies, we interviewed celebrities, we um, and we dispensed what we called movie therapy. People would write in with their life issues, and we would prescribe them movies to help them. Like, oh, I'm about to graduate from college, and I'm nervous. What should I watch? So we'd prescribe a bunch of movies for them. Or that's fine. I'm, you know, whatever their predicament was, we would prescribe movies to help them, and in the days of COVID-19, many of our old listeners have been writing in, coming out of the woodwork saying, will you relaunch movie therapy? You don't have to relaunch all of movie date, but just movie therapy. Will you do that? Because we're at home, we're nervous, we're feeling unsettled right now. And now more than ever, the TV is our main source of comfort. Will you tell us what to watch? So We started getting all these folks writing to us. So Rafer and I decided um, a month or so ago, sure, let's relaunch movie therapy. And um, so there are only a handful of episodes out in the world now. It comes out every Friday. And we just, like I said, we try to make people feel a little bit better with whatever they're dealing with, whether it's noisy upstairs neighbors or hating their roommates or wanting to escape their children, whatever it is, we try to give them a prescription for it.
0: Okay, you you touched on something that I love. Uh, you interviewed celebrities. Do you have any uh, <laughs> any any amazing celebrity story you can share?
1: I have got to say Oscar Isaac was one of the smartest people Who's I that? have ever met. Well, he's in Star Wars these days. Um, oh, okay. He was in Inside uh, Lewin Davis. Um, he was in, um, oh gosh, Ex Machina. He's been in a number of movies. He's very handsome. He was okay. s- smart as can be. I also adored um, Josh Gad who plays Olaf oh, the Snowman yeah. in Frozen. He was one of the funniest, kindest people. And talking about his daughters, he got Misty because he loves his daughter so much. He oh. was just a joy to talk with. And Jason Schwartzman, I just love Jason Schwartzman. He was hilarious and kind and just adorable. And at the end of my interview with him, I just wanted to run off with him and like
0: go to an <laughs> island and be his wife, do something like that. I thought he was adorable. Okay. Well, you said that the Star Wars guy, now my husband and my, especially my husband, my kids do big Star Wars fans. So whenever we say we're going to have family movie night, they're all like rise of the something, return of the, this <laughs> attack of the, that. And I'm like, please, can we watch once upon a town in Hollywood? Can we watch bombshell? Can we watch parasite? And they're all like, raw, raw, raw. so I ended up watching <laughs> these movies by myself. I did see parasite. Did you, what did you think of parasite?
1: I loved Parasite. I loved it.
0: I didn't know one thing about it. I didn't know anything other than it was subtitles. I didn't know. I mean, I knew it was um, from Korea, but that was it. I didn't know one thing, and I went into it totally blind, and I couldn't, I was blown away. It was so good.
1: Yeah, I could not stop thinking about it afterwards. Like, weeks passed, and I would still be thinking about it. And I, the only thing I was told is it's, you know, it's kind of a suspense thriller that Mm -hmm. also involves a little bit of, like, people infiltrating themselves into each other's lives but that's all I knew and that's the vaguest description right I I didn't didn't know anything yeah yeah I loved it and it really is I I think it starts off feeling like oh what's gonna happen here these people are like somehow you know ingratiating themselves to this rich family they're a poor family ingratiating themselves to this rich family and then oh good they're getting away with it and then before you know it it turns into oh oh this is way more (laughs) like
0: wait what Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, oh, I did not see that coming. Yeah. It's
0: really good. And so I've got a few on my list. Um, because I'm always trying to catch up with the Netflix stuff too. And so it's a good time in quarantine to sort of I say, catch up on podcasts. There's several podcasts that people have told me to listen to. I'm like, because I listen to so many podcasts for this job, I don't get to listen to to other ones, people that I'm not interviewing or whatever. And then I get really excited. Like you just told me about when Megan met Harry and now It ends with you going to the wedding. I'm like, well, now that'll be what I listen to all day when I clean out another closet. (laughs) Um, Okay, so you're a purveyor of all media, obviously. You write, you do a podcast, you uh, talk about movies. So if you have time, do you listen to podcasts? And if so, what do you listen to?
1: Oh, absolutely. Every single day, start the day. um, Don't do this at home. I bring my iPhone into the shower. And I listen to a podcast every morning in the shower while I brush my teeth and shower and get ready in the morning. I don't think you're supposed to bring your phone into the shower.
0: My daughter does that. I will FaceTime her and she will answer me from the shower. No. I'm like, <laughs> her shower is tiny. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, no, I've got it just so it's not touching anything. I'm like, and it's just, you know, it's neck up. But I'm like. You could have waited to take this call. I mean, so what do you listen to in the shower?
1: So, the shows that I listen to the most often are Trashy Divorces, which is exactly what it sounds like. The hosts of the show just. one host Alicia will go through the ups and downs of one celebrity divorce from how they met to how things started to fall apart to the ugly, you know, alimony battles and so on. And then Stacy will do another one, so it's Alicia and Stacy and every episode you'll hear two trashy divorces. And it is just loads of fun if you love celebrity gossip, if you like to hear the behind the scenes things of, you know, stories you grew up with whether it's like Frank Sinatra and Elizabeth Taylor or more recent ones that, you know, like the Trumps and their divorces.
0: Um, yes. yes. So it's did you really when the they did delicious. about Fleetwood Mac. Yes. Oh, that was delicious. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> yes. I love them so much. And Alicia will call me every so often. And she has me go on as her special correspondent for the housewives. Oh,
2: <laughs> And so
0: recently they did one on the countess Luann and I missed her call and so they and she's like, I wanted you to be our special correspondent and give your take. I was like, I've had dinner with Luann. I, <gasps> I could have totally given you my take on it, but you can't just call me. Like you have to text me. I'm 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 an old lady. I can't be looking at the phone calls. Like texting is where it's at. They are the greatest gals, and that podcast. It, you're right. It is everything you want in a podcast. It's delicious. It's Love. delicious.
1: It's um yeah, it just puts a smile on my face. And I got to say, I spend a lot of time doing deep dive reading for my shows, like for buy the book, I'm doing close academic readings of each book. I'm like dog earing, I'm underlying, I'm making yeah. spreadsheets. And it's fun to just have a sweet escape where I don't have to like think so hard and I can just sit back and enjoy the ride. So that's one of the ones I really enjoy doing that with. Another one is
0: What a Creep, um, which is do you these are, to these are my
1: people. Yes, oh Margo.
0: Yes, I cannot creep- wait to tell both of them that you mentioned them. They're going to die. This is amazing. Oh my gosh! I
1: love <laughs> what a creep. What a creep is so much fun. It's just a different creep in each episode, and you get to hear everything that is bad about this creep, and you get to just feel high and mighty while you think, "Oh, that person's terrible," <laughs> and then in the end, they try to, you know. And on a happy note by you know highlighting somebody who's not a creep at the end of each episode but i don't even care about that part what i really care about is like yeah rake the bad person over the coals Mm -hmm. don't treat them with kid gloves just like showcase everything that's bad about them and you know don't try to be fair and balanced just show everything that they did wrong and scold them for it because sometimes we just need to do that
0: right the other day on their facebook page this was maybe like within the last month they put up a picture of Johnny Depp and they're like next week's creep. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> and they said, I'm sorry, it has to be done. This week they put up a picture of Elon Musk and they're like, yes. This guy. Yes. I'm like, I'm oh. so excited
1: about that one. I'm like,
0: oh no. Every time they put up somebody, I'm like, You're right. He's a creep. All right. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't wait to tell both of them that you mentioned them. They're gonna, they're gonna be like me. They're gonna be like, they're gonna die. All right. Do you have do you have another one? Oh, yeah. I love Spectacular Failures. Yes.
1: (laughs) um, Hosted by Lauren Ober. And that one just showcases um, a different giant failure each episode, uh, whether it's the downfall of the U-Haul empire, which involves a lot of crazy stuff like murder allegations and so on, Mm -hmm. or... um, you know, other, it it is actually co-produced by the Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota, which I didn't know that. When I started listening to it, it wasn't because of its connection to Minnesota. It's just because I I thought this is going to be good candy. Just hearing the stories of the rise and fall of things, I think is always a joy. So, um, spectacular failures. Love that show. Um, Oh, there are so many. I
0: I love so many shows. I know. Well, it's it's good to know that you're taking in podcasts in addition to Putting so many out. So you're, so you're currently working on Buy the Book, uh, We Love You and So Can You, and Movie Therapy. Yes. Those three. are my three shows that are actively in production right now.
1: And I do have some more coming out later this year, but I'm not allowed to announce them yet. You can't say it.
0: Nope, not yet. You know what I will say in your episode that you did, the the, the three-way uh, promo for uh, uh, the book the podcast, all that. When you went through the steps of creating a podcast and you were, like you were saying, you're lucky enough to have a, a production team and it showed how you pitched your podcast and it also showed how you put some out there and they came back to you with notes. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, wait, that's really something to think of. Like we can't be our same personalities that we are on by the book because it's different. And the notes of them wanting more of you and less of the other people. And I think that that was... Um, it's instructional, really, for people that are making podcasts because you can have the greatest idea in the world and be like, well, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to talk about this. But there are other people involved that can say, um, hey, what if you did this or did that? And you have to sort of take that advice and, and humble yourself to be like, you know what? They're right. And it was great. It was great that you really went through the steps of how to start a podcast like you really did it and uh, showed that it's not, uh, as easy maybe as a lot of people think it
1: is. Yeah. I mean, people reach out to me all the time and they just say, Oh, I am starting a podcast too. My friend Dave and I are funny and you know, we're just going to record ourselves talking about anything and you know, it's going to be a good time and everyone's going to listen. And Then they'll reach out to me later and say, we don't understand why nobody listens to our show. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll have to explain to them like, oh, there's a lot of work that goes into it. You know, who is your show for? Why are you making it? How are you promoting it? What is the structure of your show? Who's editing it? Who's giving you feedback on your show? And. Um, you know, a lot of folks starting out with the best of intentions had never thought about any of those questions when they started out. They never thought that they should get feedback. They never thought about editing, or you know, right. any of those other things that you're very familiar with. You've been doing this for ages now, but you know, a lot of us when we're starting out, we don't think about those things.
0: No, and I'm I'm uh, lucky to have a producer as well, and we'll come back and say, okay, well, that is good, but you know, it's like what we say, a compliment sandwich, right? That was really great. But yes. but it's still really <laughs> great, you know. And that's what you need sometimes. It's like a self help book, right? If yes. I had to write a self help book, it would be called Compliment Sandwich. Oh yeah, do it because com- a compliment. No, that that's it. That's all my advice. That's that's. <laughs> it would be one page. It'd be like Phyllis card. Diller's book. It's <laughs> Phil <Phyllis laughs> Diller's book. Give somebody a compliment. Tell them the hard thing. Give them another compliment. Always <laughs> works. Works every time. Okay, listen. I I am so thrilled that we got to talk, and I appreciate you joining me. I feel like. Honored. I felt inspired. And I want you to tell everyone where they can find out about you and then your three active podcasts and your two to three books.
2: You have <laughs> so, so many.
1: So you can find everything you want to at com. K R I S T E N. M-E-I-N-Z-E-R.com, KristenMeinzer.com. Uh, there are links to my books there. There are links to my podcasts there. You can subscribe to them there. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm very active there, at KristenMeinzer. And, um, yeah, my shows, again, are By the Book, We Love You and So Can You, and Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen.
0: And I would recommend everybody uh, checking out, if you do want to start a podcast, uh, check out her book about that because – just from hearing it on by the book, it would have helped me two years ago.
2: <laughs> it's too late
0: for me now, I'm way past it. But I think if you're trying to start a podcast, it's also, um, it's also great advice on the steps you have to go through. It really is. And um, I look forward to um, how to be fine because oh, I think that it'd be, it would be all of your self-help in one circle and what you learned. I think that's interesting. All right. You're thank welcome. you so much, and um, give my uh, give my regards to Jolenta, who I would like to meet one day as well.
1: Oh well, thank you so much, Mary Payne. This has been such a joy. Okay, thank you.